Hello and welcome to The Lost Button, the podcast for young people figuring out their future life and career. I'm Liz. And I'm Connor. And we're here to help you navigate all the big decisions you have to make about your future and create a path that's right for you. Each episode, we're going to tackle some of the biggest questions and challenges Gen Z are facing about their future, from finding a job you're passionate about to managing stress and burnout. Here we are, the Purposeful team coming at you live and direct. So, how's the team going? I'm going well. How are you going, Liz? I am super good. Um, I'm loving the hand gestures from that. I know, I'm feeling pretty passionate today. I think, you know, we're coming into spring, summer. I'm feeling good. Yeah, me too. And today we're talking all about zigzagging in career pathways. Our Would You Rather, though, has nothing to do with that, but Mm. I think it's, it's a pretty good one. Would you rather be Megan Fox or Kourtney Kardashian? Mm, very topical, Liz. I would rather be Kourtney Kardashian for Why? sure. Because she's a Kardashian and like that just speaks for itself. And then she just got engaged to Travis Barker. Did you see? Yes, it T. Was so cute. Very good. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like growing up, you know, love the Transformers series. So it has to be Megan Fox for me. And I'm not a huge fan of MGK, um, you know, her partner. But <laughs> I got to say, just an interesting person. I feel like it would be a very intriguing life. I just like... I hate that she was cancelled for so long. Like, that would really hurt my ego <laughs> if I was her. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to be careful on the podcast you don't get cancelled then, Pia. I know. Well, you know, this is all about, as you mentioned, you don't have to follow a linear career path, Liz and Pia. You know, you can do lots of different things you and find your way. You can get cancelled. <laughs> you can get cancelled, but that's not the kind of linear path we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about careers. So, so there's some key stats I want to share. EdX research found that 29% of people aged 25 to 44 have completely changed fields since starting their first job post-college. And another study from McKinsey found that over 375 million workers around the world may be forced to switch occupational categories as digital transformation, automation and advances in AI disrupt the world of work. That's fascinating. And this is an area that we've been researching for a while, Liz. So I certainly believe those stats to be true and maybe even a higher percentage, if I'm honest, of global workforce. Yeah, I think I think it's actually higher now, <laughs> to be honest, and, and it can, will continue to get higher as the rate of um, change increases. There's this great quote, I think it's by Justin Trudeau, which is like, the rate of change has never been this fast, but it will never be this slow again either. So we can Deep. all expect to have to change Um but I'm inspired by this today. You can check it out on Instagram for the actual meme. But you know the one where you like think your life is going in that straight line graph, but it's actually like that squiggly roller coaster line. That's basically what we're talking about when we talk about nonlinear pathways. So Liz, what is a nonlinear career pathway? It essentially just means that instead of our careers looking like that straight line of, you know, promotions and um, getting a a degree and then getting your first job and then working your way up the ladder of success. Instead, it's just changing careers, industries, jobs, moving up and down that ladder sort of continuously throughout your life. And what we're finding is that for most um, sort of emerging, like this new generation of professionals that are kind of embarking on these nonlinear career paths, 
they're driven by purpose and it's it's either coming down to they're following their curiosities and genuinely what is just interesting them at that time or what really fulfills them as opposed to what a lot of our parents would maybe have experienced which is that they're solely driven by that financial gain and job security that's associated with a straight line path. Now there's a lot of concerns about this that's the thing Liz and why do you think this non-linear path is a problem for young people? I I don't think the path itself is a problem. It's just that it causes a lot of stress and anxiety, right? This idea that um, we talked about all those statistics that just mean that we're going to have to change, that we can't predict what our whole life is going to look like. And um, for me, a lot of that stress and anxiety that comes from the idea of straying from the path or the plan um, sort of come from the reality that you know, the reality differs from what we expect and that's where most of our stress and worries come from um, and often then the lack of control and certainty that we feel when that happens. But this doesn't just happen in our careers, it happens in all aspects of life and when you look at even all of us already, um, our career paths have been anything but linear. The people that have a linear path are really the exception to the rule. So it's m- far more normal to have that zigzaggy line and I think it's far more exciting as well. It doesn't necessarily mean it's less financially secure or stable either. Mm, very well said, Liz. So with this in mind, do you think that we should ditch the idea of a career pathway? Yeah, I find this quite interesting that unless you're going to be a doctor (laughs) um, and maybe I really don't think there's any other profession nowadays where there is such a set pathway still that we can say you absolutely need to do step A, B and C and D to get to get to that goal. And in, or to get that job. I think it's it's kind of bullshit for most jobs now. The technology emerging and, and changing means that most jobs, new jobs are being created on the daily. And if you think about five years from now, the industries that you're maybe currently in or interested in being in are going to look radically different. The nature of work is going to be really different. We kind of have to say goodbye to that idea of having a 10 or 15 or 20 year career plan that we know what it's going to look like. Personally, I think that's something that's really exciting and it just means that we actually get to focus on lifelong learning and that's a bit of a a buzzword, right, that we've all heard. But it just means that you know, your learning doesn't stop at the end of your degree and it shouldn't <laughs> really, right? We shouldn't we shouldn't just think, okay, that's fine or I know everything I need to know now. That's a pretty boring idea when you think about it as well. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an exciting future, but it's also a very anxiety-inducing future. And for those listeners who are thinking, you know, this is scary, this is causing me fear, how can our young people manage some of these anxieties from... I guess, straying away from a linear career path and embracing the uncertainty of this non-linear path? It comes from building some sort of acceptance around letting go of what you think is going to be um, and focusing on what is. And I actually think being mindful and practicing sort of different mindfulness strategies can really help you there because it focuses you on the present and the now instead of always being concerned with your next move or the next couple steps ahead. Um, in my own experience that's never been something whilst I'm like a dreamer and I like having a vision and thinking ahead I'm also really content with the now and make sure that I'm not always living for what happens tomorrow or what job or achievement I might have in the future so I think um, really shifting your mindset in that way is helpful and also making sure that a lot of that stress maybe also comes from external influences and factors maybe your parents or other people around you who don't really get why you would 
sort of lose out to a traditional path, creating a support system of people around you that understand the why that's driving you and can help you to develop and learn faster in the areas of interest to you is really critical. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think you got to focus on your own path, but also like learn the skills that help you communicate better. And instead of saying, oh, you know, I'm just doing this path because that's what I want to do, you can say, well, actually, here's the progress I've made, mum and dad, and here's the progress I've made, friends, and you should be supporting me in this because this is what I love. Now it's time for the lost and found. Even though being lost is a problem that young people across the world are facing, it can be easy to feel like you're the only one. Each episode will bring a young person on the show to share their story and the challenges they're facing about their future. Today we're interviewing Joe Weedy, aka The Doorman, a writer, podcaster and entrepreneur on a mission to create opportunities for others by opening doors for them. Hello, Joe. Welcome to The Lost Button. Thank you so much for getting on board today. We can't wait to interview you. Yeah, thank you very much. Great to be here. My pleasure. Yes, zooming in from sunny Sydney by the looks of it. To kick us off, would love to hear your answer to this question, which is tell us about yourself and your journey through life after school, whatever that means to you. Awesome. Well, my name is Joe Weeby and I am a doorman. That's my role. So I open doors for people. And uh, at the moment, that's a lot of that weaves through education and post high school kind of nonlinear career paths, which uh, is because of what I, my story and what I went through. I left high school a while ago now. I wanted to be a filmmaker, but I didn't really have the courage or as much of the support as I would have liked to actually pursue that. So I kind of took a, a safe or I tried to take a safe path and that led me a bit astray studying something that I wasn't that, oh, I studied psychology, which wasn't didn't light me on fire, but it was okay. I called it six out of 10 life. I was just going through the motions, you know, not really feeling like it was really meaningful, but just good enough to keep going. And then, you know, after that, things sort of changed towards the end of my university experience. I got involved in a nonprofit project in Nepal, which changed my life. And then I've been hopping from one thing to another ever since, and just trying to contemplate how everything is so unexpected. You never know what's lying behind the next door. And we all try to plan everything in life, but that's not really how it works. So we need to change how we approach and communicate that to people. And going on with that theme of having new experiences, you recently released a book called 18 and Lost, which we're super psyched about. And Liz actually bought a bunch of copies, which is pretty (laughs) awesome. So what is the key takeaway from this book? If you could explain it in a sentence or two. Yeah, uh, there's a wonderful guy called Seth Godin. He's written a lot of great books. One was called Stop Stealing Dreams about the education system. He was kind enough to endorse it. And his one line thing I think is perfect, which is that the big lies that people have figured out their future. Uh, in this book, you'll discover that it's a journey, not a plan, and that you can lean into the possibilities that lie ahead. And so I really love that as a one line. So kind of on that intro too. Um, We got eight stories, or sorry, nine stories, actually, um, of everyday people after finishing high school and just tracked, um, got them to reflect and write a chapter on what that experience was like. So my story is just one of them. And uh, it's funny that of all those stories, including one 18-year-old, no one was doing exactly what they thought they'd be doing when they left high school. So it is a bit of a journey and not a traditional plan. Wow. And were there any other 
key themes that you noticed from that? Because I think even from us doing this podcast, we've kind of noticed some from the people we've had on board around the people that sort of were found or would would call themselves closer to knowing what they wanted to be or do, had done something to create some kind of space, whether it was like they were forced to do that or they just needed a break and chose to. Were there any themes like that that you picked up on in all the stories? Yeah, I'd say so. It's probably not going to be a surprise to you guys. My (laughs) biggest takeaway, and I'll come back to what you said, my biggest takeaway from this book was that the people who followed authentic or made decisions authentically, which is like it's what they really deeply wanted to do, for like they were interested in it reasons not like extra extrinsic reasons like I'm trying to please someone I'm trying to get social status I want to feel like I've made it by the time I'm 25 all that sort of stuff so the people who are kind of making very authentic decisions like no I'm really interested in this I'm going to go study that etc they kind of did they did well like they're still new things came up like you said the space things found them all that so it didn't change yeah the what but it changed the how that journey went, what that experience was like. It was a bit more enjoyable. It was a bit more excitement. Uh, the people who didn't really make their decisions authentically, which is, I'd say I'm an example of that, had a lot more difficulty on a sort of, whether you call it an emotional, I wouldn't say mental health, but sort of, you know, an emotional feeling things are purposeful, et cetera, kind of level. Um, because you kind of compromise what you really want to do when you do that. And so it creates this gap between who you really are and what you're spending your time doing, which internally we don't like, but, um, you know, things, things find you like Oprah Winfrey's like, it's the whispers, like, um, you know what to do because it's whispering at you. And if you don't listen, it gets louder and then it starts beating you on the head. And if you still don't listen, it. I've definitely found that in my story. Like, it's kind of like everything's trying to get you to do what you really should be doing like what you really resonate with when you refuse it it kind of it comes back to bite you so it's phenomenal and I think the the longer that um you take to actually wake up to what your body is telling you as much as anything else like a lot of people that stress and pressure that has to go somewhere right it doesn't it, it stays with you and it can express itself in lots of different ways you mentioned some of the challenges from society that affect us after school what do you think is the impact of these on you know our culture, especially like employment, finding the right career path and making the most of our sort of potential? What a great question. There's, there's so many. It's a massive problem mm. and it's not that tangible. It's not that clear to people just how much we're missing out on because everyone goes through this system. You think about a lawyer who's really, all right, lawyer, right? Very high status job, traditional in inverted commas pathway. Uh, who would you rather employ or work with? Someone who's deeply interested in law, the history of law, you know, interested in the concept of justice and fairness and or someone who feels like it's a safe career path. Who would you rather work with? Who would you rather employ? Who would you be more likely to, you know, oh, I know someone says a lawyer, you know, open a door for them, as I say, connect them to someone you know in your network, all those things. You know, interest is this real big driver. The idea that, you know, I guess we have a certain culture around success. It's my least favorite word, successful. I want to be successful. I don't even know what that means. It has to be a completely individual answer every time. And so, because it's not always like a, a snug alignment between what looks safe, what looks acceptable, and what you feel like doing, uh, you get a lot of these people who are like square pegs and round holes. And because of that, they don't perform as well. Um, there's, the, you know, 
they frustrate you in the workplace. Therefore, we change our workplaces to try and motivate people who don't want to be there. So all this policy and HR and all this, we have so much fat and waste in corporations, companies, employment law and everything, because you have this really weird system of trying to motivate people who don't really deeply want to be there. They feel like they've got to be doing it. So think about then mental health, think about midlife crisis. Uh, what would I call it? We had like a little, not seminar, but we had a little kind of like future of education virtual event to launch the book because of COVID. We did it virtually and we had one of my high school friends, his dad is a bit of a mentor and also my soccer coach jumped on, had a great career as a lawyer and then moved on to other sitting on boards and entrepreneurial stuff. But he was very open on this call. He's like, I just chased a status pathway after high school. Like I made it to partner and all this stuff. And he goes, and then I was like, wow, is this it? Like, is this what I went through all this for? And he's an incredibly bright, talented man, great thinker. And so if you imagine you, you repurpose people like that into something even better, it's crazy to think about the potential we don't capitalize in society. It's, it's, it absolutely baffled me. True. That was such a beautiful way of putting it. And I think I always consider that there's, there's this great inefficiency, right, in that we ex- sort of accept when it comes to being lost, like a lot of people just accept that they're supposed to be lost in your 20s. And that takes up almost a whole decade for a lot of people where they're just accepting that they're not supposed to know what to do or not supposed to be, feel comfortable with themselves. Imagine what would be possible if that wasn't the case. I'm really keen to hear your thoughts, though, on a lot of things, but in particular this topic, which is the theme of this episode, which is all about nonlinear career pathways. Now, you are someone who I know would describe themselves as, as having a nonlinear career. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that looks like for you and why did you end up choosing or finding yourself in that position? Yeah, I think firstly, I don't think it's a choice to be nonlinear. I think it is a reality for everyone, even if you stay your whole career within traditional, normal roles, engineering, medicine, law, whatever it is. I left high school and is always tell people like, Oh, you don't know what you want to do. I left high school wanting to be a filmmaker. I studied psychology. Then I co-led a nonprofit. Then I started a real estate agency. Then COVID hit. I dialed down the real estate agency, still do that one day a week. And I started doing stuff in education. I started my blog podcast. I've invested in one or two tech companies now, which is very small amounts, but I can still say it, you know, it sounds cool. Um, and, And I've learned so much from that. That's incredible. I wish that was something more people got access to and started, you know, and I'm like, so I just hop, skip and jump from one thing to another. You gain more confidence as you go. So it seems it gets less and less radical to you as you're doing it. It gets more and more radical from people looking at the outside they feel more and more different to you. And that's just the way it is. But I, I have one of my greatest friends and mentors who I met when we were doing the nonprofit thing. He's currently 74. He had a phenomenal career as a lawyer at the age of 23 and nine months, he was partner in a law firm and owned a house, which is also, you know, very unusual for a 23 year old now. And he says, so this is a different gentleman to what I was talking about before, but still a primarily law core competency and main career pathway. And he said, at the age of 62, I stepped down from being partner at the law firm that he helped grow. Um, And he's like, and I realized that there was more to life than being partner at a law firm. And I realized my life calling was actually teaching not being a lawyer at the age of 62. Then he goes, and then at 69, I started meeting all these young people 
um, doing all these things and started mentoring them. And he goes, I realized my calling wasn't even being a teacher. It was, so you got this idea that I don't, to me, it doesn't matter if you're going through a university pathway and the, you know, nine to five or whatever, which is people like to beat, beat on these days. If you know exactly what you're going to be doing the whole way through your life, that's the worst case scenario. You know, the concept of a surprise is something that you don't know is coming. That's why it's great. You know, you don't want to know what happens at the end of the movie. So the, the nonlinear thing is the best case scenario for anyone, no matter whether you go through unusual entrepreneurial things, quirky things, or known and tested pathways. Yeah, no, I loved, I loved the uh, movie reference, right? Because I think everyone can agree with that point, but somehow with your own life, you want everything. Well, people think they might want everything planned out. It's less exciting though. But in terms of that, you know, non-linear path, there's obviously a lot of benefits, but also challenges to that. So how can, you know, what are those sort of benefits and challenges and how can people like mentally prepare for their own non-linear path? Again, great questions. Damn, the challenges, they really stem from one main challenge, which is probably certainty and, and safety. So unlike a movie, there is a perceived cost to not knowing what's happening next year with your finances, where your next paycheck's coming from, where your next meal is, how you're going to be feeding your family, when you're going to pay the mortgage. So the, you know, the, the salary or whatever, if it comes through a conventional stable means is, is seen as way more safe and secure, but it's kind of safe and secure for what is the question. So, you know, for me, the goal of life is not to be financially stable. That would be one part of a desirable picture. And, uh, the, the, for me, the real priority is to have a good quality of life, like to have an adventure, to have a story to tell. And so, you know, the risks are maybe, I, I don't know if I really buy the whole people in our context, right? Say you live in Australia. Um, it's very hard to like really, really suffer. Like if you really need to, you can go get a, one of the, my good friends in our community. He, he quit his, his job and he's working on a travel blog for a couple of years. He's 28 now, so very non-linear, right? So the risks, but the, the advantages is he's like, if it doesn't work out and I didn't turn this into a career, I spent a couple of years traveling. People do that anyway. You know, the risk, what is the risk? Is he not, as, is he not ahead of everyone else? Is he uh, not set up by a certain age? Well, it's kind of, it's an interesting, it really depends on what you, you value. Like for me, uh, I've done work in real estate. My family made their, you know, living through property. For me, I'm not even planning to buy a property till I'm in my forties probably, because I can actually do more with the, the money, um, doing other things that are lower, lower to barrier to entry. So it opens up a really, really big discussion, but I'd say it's the adventure and the unique opportunities and the stories. Cause, um, to summarize in one line to consolidate this comfort is the enemy of adventure. I like that. I like that a lot. You, you can tell you're a writer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very um, uh, eloquently said. And I'm really excited to hear your answer to this one, which I think will probably be our final question, although we could talk all day, is in your chapter of the book, which I'm, I'm about halfway through now, you had an imaginary conversation with your 18-year-old self. What advice did you give to him and why? Yeah, for context, it was the young version of myself who didn't end up, thinks he's about to go become an Academy Award-winning filmmaker by the age of 20 mm. and doesn't quite do that. 
and having I had an imaginary hard uh, conversation with him. And, you know, in the end, it was like, how do I avoid miss it going off my path? And I was like, I can't tell you that in the conversation. Like, I can't tell you that because you got to go through it because it's vital to what you're doing now. And what you're doing now is trying to help people um, navigate this stuff that you went through. And he goes, he looks at, you know, a poster in his room of, of the movie poster and he goes, yeah, I can live with that because the point of doing film was to actually use stories to help people. So the goal is to help people. You know, we often get caught in the, in the tactic of life, which is like, oh, I want to do this so I can get, we often forget the real reason we want to do something in the first place. And that's the ultimate it's, it's hard, but it's good to remind one another that that is the ultimate goal and priority. So that's why that was my takeaway. You can't really, you just got to make the most of the experiences you've gone through and your pain is normally given to you for a reason. If things don't go well, because a lot of people go to add value because of something they went through and actually ends up helping more people. So you never know when something happens, if it's bad or good. Yeah. You have one of the best attitudes of probably anyone I've spoken to. So this has been very inspiring for me. Yeah, thank you so, so much. Yeah, it's been amazing to meet you and to keep getting to speak with you and your views on, on the world and life are, are really valuable. So don't stop telling all of your stories because I think so many people are benefiting from them. So thanks so much, Joe. No, thank you very much. And same to you. We do it like, you know, everyone's working on this same thing. And so people in this space doing what you're doing, we can't have too many of them. So uh, thank you for the work you guys are doing. Thanks for listening to The Lost Button, a podcast helping you figure out your future one episode at a time. If our stories hit home for you today, we'd love for you to leave us a review or share with a friend. Head to our website to get career advice from The Lost Button, sign up to our mailing list for more practical tips or check out Purposeful on Insta to be part of our community. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording today, the Noongar people of Wadjuk country. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Thanks and have an epic day.